pastors here. I see some people visiting. We're so glad that you decided to join us for this Christmas Eve. We love celebrating Christmas Eve. It is one of our favorite times of the year, of course, and I'm sure many of you would agree. And I love asking this question, what is one of your favorite Christmas carols? And so for many, many years, mine has been, Oh Holy Night. Do I have some Oh Holy Night fans in here? Okay. It's not at the top of the list anymore, except when Liz is singing it. And that's because one year, my secret Santa decided to give me a CD. Remember CDs? And um, they put 28 versions of Oh Holy Night on there. (laughs) One Christmas with that thing, and it's never been the same. Like, it's just not. I can't go back. It's been rough. Uh, But I I just love it. I love the way that our band leads us. Don't they do an excellent job, Ashish and his team? So great. Love it. And uh, when I was a kid, there's some kids probably here in this room, I would sing some of these Christmas carols, and I don't know if you've noticed, but there's some really weird lyrics in some of them. Have you noticed? I just wrote down some of the lyrics that were the weirdest to me when I was a kid. Uh, The first one was, uh, glad tidings we bring to you and your kin. If you just think about that as a five-year-old, what does that mean? I now know it means bringing good news to your family. I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know what glad tidings were. Here's another one that was really weird to me. Haste, haste to bring him laud. What's a laud when you're five years old? And it's not like my mom was like, haste, haste, ever to me, you know? It was like, hurry up. But I now know it means be quick to bring Jesus praise. Some of you just found out what laud means. That's what it is. And then uh, my favorite one that was the most confusing as a kid and got us into the most interesting conversations was round yon virgin. Which, if you think about that, if you're a five-year-old and you're thinking about that literally, you might end up in a conversation that's about a lot more than Christmas. So, here we are, uh, and we've sung these songs, and I actually want to point out that sometimes we sing songs like this, and there's actually lyrics that we've become very familiar with, and we almost have come to the conclusion that we now know exactly what they mean. And I want to suggest today that there is a common lyric in many Christmas carols that I think has a deeper meaning than we often notice at first glance. And that is this word of glory, glory. Think about how many Christmas songs have the word glory or glorify or gloria as a part of it. Uh, We just sang, O Come All You Faithful, and in that part there is glory to God, glory to God in the highest. And then a favorite that many people love is Angels We Have Heard on High. We considered singing that one today, but... Some of you know that you're that person that goes a little too far on the glow, you know. So we just decided to leave that one out for today. But what are you singing? Gloria in excelsis Deo, which means glory to God in the highest. This is actually just a part of so many of these songs. But the question I have for us this afternoon is this. What does it really mean to glorify God? And what does it mean when we say things like in the Christmas story, God's glory shone around them? God's glory was, sh- has, was shining. Was, what does this mean? What does it mean that the angels were glowing with God's glory? What does it mean that God's glory shone around some shepherds? And I want to suggest today that if, a, if you take a little bit deeper look at this word, it's going to reveal a deeper meaning to us this Christmas. And so we see this word used most clearly in the part of the story where the angels appear to the shepherds. So I'm going to read that part for you. So if you have a Bible, we're going to look in Luke 2. If not, we'll have it up here for you on the screen. And I want everyone to pay attention to how many times the word glory or some sort of iteration of that word is used. So even kids in the room, listen for the word glory as I read it. Luke 2, starting in verse 8. 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those with whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told, about, told them about this child. And all who heard them were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Did you hear it three times? The first time, it's talking about the glory of the Lord shining around the angels and onto the shepherds. The second time, when the host of angels show up, they're singing and praising glory to God in the highest heaven, where we get our very exuberant glow, you know. And then the third, which is the shepherds, after having gone to visit Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, return glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It's so important when we look at a story like this that happened 2,000 years ago to say, so what would the people who read this story or heard this story told for the first time in Luke's gospel, what would they have been thinking when they heard some of these words? If you were a first century person who had been Jewish and come from the Jewish tradition or understood the history of Israel, which would probably be true for everyone who is hearing these words, what we would assume from what scholars can tell is that they would have thought that the word glory meant this, and we have a definition I'll put on the screen. Glory would have meant excellence, magnificence, splendor, majesty, grace, and perfection of God. That makes sense, doesn't it? Now when you think about glory, yeah, that's what we're saying. We're saying excellence, magnificence, splendor, majesty. But beyond that, there's something that they would have thought of right away that I think we often miss. There would have been something that the word glory would have represented to them, and it would have been very significant, and they would immediately think about this, the presence of God, the presence of God. The glory of God, whenever it's mentioned, represents the abundant presence of God. This is so key for them. They would have thought about the history of Israel, which is written down in what we now call the Old Testament. And they would have thought about all of these passages, all of these stories where God's presence was represented by light and by glory. And people knew that when the light was there, when the glory was there, God was near. Emmanuel, we sing this song as well, don't we? It means literally the with us God. Emmanuel is with us. When the glory of God shines, it means that God is near. When the glory of God shines, it means that God is near. So if you were listening to this story in the first century, you would have thought, oh man, right away, Moses. You would have thought about Moses because Moses was one of the earliest leaders of God's people. And Moses was having a conversation with God at a very pinnacle moment in the history of Israel. He's talking to God and he says, God, if you're going to be the leader, we need to know that you're with us. I can't lead these people, Moses says, unless I know that you're with us. Unless I know your presence 
is going before us and with us and behind us. And so Moses is, is almost begging God to come with as he continues to lead the people. And God says, I will. I will promise to be with you. And Moses, if you know a little bit about him, he's not always totally sure. So he says to God, to prove it to me, I want you to show me your glory. Show me your glory, Moses says. All of these people would have heard that and thought about Moses asking God, show me your glory. And, and what he's saying is, prove it to me. Prove that you're going to be present because that's what glory represents. And so God says, okay, I will show you myself, but you can't look directly at me because that would just be way too much for you to handle. And so he has this experience with God, and the people would all know this story by heart. And they know that when Moses came down from this mountain where he talked to God, he came back to all the other people, and the people looked at him wide-eyed because he himself was shining. Moses was shining. His face was radiant because he had seen the glory of God and been in the presence and the glory of God. They looked at him, and they knew God is with him. God is present with him. And then they, they thought, oh, man, that means God is present with us. That means God is near. Every person hearing this story from Luke would have thought about that. And from that point on in, in Moses' story, we see all these different experiences where God shows who God is by this glorious light that helped people know that God was near. So they're hearing this Christmas story, and, and Luke's putting it into words. In the first century, people would have thought, Wow, we, we understand that God was present to Moses. Of course, God shone his glory on Moses. That makes sense. Moses was a leader. He was like the leader of all the leaders. He was amazing. But, but it doesn't make sense that, that the glory of God was shown upon some shepherds in a field. That doesn't make any sense. These people have no power or authority. These people don't lead anything but some sheep. Why would God's glory shine upon them? Why was God present with the people who didn't have all the power and authority? God was doing a new thing. God was becoming Emmanuel in a new way. God had always been Emmanuel, but in this morning, in this, this specific part in the story, God was now going to come into the world in this idea of glory in a way that was more present, more excellent, more magnificent, and more amazing to actually become one of us to prove just how with us Emmanuel truly is. And so when those shepherds watched in awe as this bright glory of God shone around them, you can imagine they thought for a second, we should maybe not look directly at it because Moses didn't. And they're scared, of course, because they knew that that light meant the glory of God and that meant God was present. And these heavenly beings are belting out probably a sound like nothing they had ever heard before as they sing glory to God in the highest. And as they sang that, the message was loud and clear. God was near. When the glory of God shines, it means God is near. But here's a question. What's even crazier than God's presence showing up to a bunch of poor shepherds? I'll tell you what. That God would come in the form of a little powerless baby. Born to a young couple who were so powerless that they wouldn't even be able to stay home for the birth of their first child. Can you imagine that? Having to be traveling. The God of the universe decided to show God's excellence, magnificence, splendor, majesty, grace, perfection, God's glory in the face of a newborn baby. God's presence manifest in the littlest being in humanity, proving just how truly far God would go to be with us. 
I actually got to hold a one-week-old baby in my arms last night, and obviously I brought a picture. This is, this is baby Finnegan Henry Herman. Maybe a couple of you have met him. He's one of our newest Mill City babies, but there's one every few hours, so it could be another one. We've got lots of them. There's a couple people in here that it could be today, you know? And um, I was holding him, and I realized I don't know that I've ever held a baby so new, so close to Christmas. And I was thinking, oh, man, he's, he's barely a week old. And I was thinking, this is amazing. This is, this is awe-inspiring to me, that in this little child, he's so helpless, he couldn't do anything for himself, that this is how God wanted to radically prove how abundantly and deeply he loved the world, that he came in this little tiny baby. It just blew my mind as I was holding him. I think about this idea that, that Jesus decided to come and to live a human life from beginning to end, just to make sure we knew that no matter what happens in our life from beginning to end, he understands. Because he didn't have to come in the beginning of the story, did he? He's God. He could have just came down with those angels as a fully grown man. So I hope today that we can see ourselves in these shepherds, these people who didn't do anything to deserve God's presence in their lives. I think that's why the angel showed up to them. Because nobody could say, oh, well, they deserved it. Look what they had done. They're just like you and me, people who've done nothing to deserve God's presence in our lives, but God wants to be present with you anyway. God wants to be with you no matter what, no matter what's been done to you, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, God wants to be with you. Otherwise, why would God choose to do something so crazy to prove it to you? And so then maybe we can be people who respond the same way these shepherds do. Be people who say, man, if that's what God wants to do, if God wants his glory to shine around us, then we want to be people who glorify God, to praise God. Okay, so then what does it mean to glorify God? If God's glory means God is becoming abundantly present to us, when we glorify God, we become present to God. We choose to become present to God. We bring our whole selves in thanksgiving and praise and love to the one who first loved us. I think that's what glorifying God means. Even if you sing the really weird off-key glory excelsis deo thing. I think that's what it means. It's bringing your whole self. It's not singing on key. When we glorify God, we become present to God. We bring our whole selves to God. Jesus' incarnation or becoming a human proves that God is with us. Do you believe that God was with you during some of the darkest moments in your year? I do. Even if you're not quite there yet to be able to believe that, I'll believe it for you. I believe that God was there for even the darkest moments of this year. Because the Christmas story proves that God is near. Do you know that God was with you even in the moments when you felt the most isolated, the most misunderstood, the most alone? We have all felt that at some point this year. And God was with you. Christmas proves that God is near. We have to see that the most interesting and joyous and exciting and meaningful moments of this last year, God was near. Will we draw near to God? The God of the universe could have stayed far away from our human circumstances and our messy realities down here, but he didn't. Jesus chose to come near. He, he chose to have his glory shine upon humanity to prove that he was now here in a very different way. So I'm going to invite the band back up, and we're going we're gonna to sing and kind of go through the rest of the service, having some time of reflection and singing and thinking through the story for ourselves personally.
The song specifically, if you've been with us here for, for Advent, it's been kind of our anthem of Advent as we sing about what it means to glorify Jesus as the light of the world. And so as we sing this song, I'm inviting you to consider what would it mean for me to open up my heart to Jesus even in a new way, whether you've been following Jesus for a long time in your life or if it's new to you or you're just considering it. What would it look like to draw near to God because God has drawn near to you? So as we sing this this refrain, you'll hear it over and over, glory to the light of the world, we can choose to be present, to do everything we can to bring our whole selves to a God who has been present to us. So you can, you can do whatever you want. You can stay seated, you can stand, to reflect on what it means for us to choose our presence to a God who's been present to us.
One of the things that I love about Jesus is that I've never felt forced by Jesus to respond. I've never felt like, like, like it's true love if you don't get a choice. And I love that Jesus comes to this world in this humble way, inviting us to be people who can choose if we want to become present to him. We know that Jesus already chose to become present to us, but we get to choose if we will become present to him. And when I think about that, I think about how we make this choice, and it's a big deal. It's a big deal the first time you make the choice, but I actually think just every day, when you choose to open up your heart to the light of the world, what you're doing is you're surrendering, right? You're letting go of the things that you want to control, of being the God of your own life. And I don't know about you, but for me, that's something that was a big choice for me at one point, but now is kind of a choice I have to make every day. And I don't always choose that. I sometimes choose to take the control back. But we can choose to let Jesus forgive us for the things that are holding us back from all that he wants from us. And, and we can choose, maybe daily, to ask Jesus to set us free from the brokenness that's holding us back. We might have to choose it every day. But I think about this. I think about how often I, I've, heard, I've even said this phrase, oh man, I hope that God shows up. Man, wouldn't it, wouldn't that, wasn't that an amazing Christmas Eve service? God really showed up. Listen, Jesus already showed up. The question is, are we going to show up to him? That's what I think this means for us to open up our hearts, whether it's the first time you're choosing to surrender and open up your heart to Jesus. Maybe it's been a long time since you've done that. There are parts of my heart and my life that I know I take back, but I want to give it back to him, and I think Christmas is a great time to do that. Will you bring your whole self back to God? To bring your whole self in this full way, to glorify God. That's what that is, being fully present to God. Because it's Jesus' birthday tomorrow, we know that. And there's only one thing that he wants, and it's you. It's your heart. So as we continue to sing, I want to invite you to continue to respond. The, the refrain of this song that you're going to hear Liz sing over and over is just this concept of opening up your heart to let the light in. Because God chose to shine God's glory, but that light is not forced upon you. You have to choose if you want to open up and let it in.
just want to offer just a little bit of guidance for some of you who maybe, maybe it's been a while. Just close your eyes, and I just want to lead us in a prayer. Sometimes it's hard to know what the words are to say to God when you're trying to do what this song is singing. What, what does it mean to open up your heart? And so you can just pray silently in your heart. You can agree with what I'm saying if you do as a prayer that I'm offering out for all of us, okay? Jesus, we thank you for coming to this world to be with us. Thank you for proving your love to me by taking on a human body. Thank you for taking on death on a cross so that death is defeated and doesn't have to have the final word when it comes to our souls, to my soul. If you are the light of the world, then darkness has no place when it comes to you. And so we invite you to shine your light into the dark places in our lives. Forgive me from the things that hold me back from living in your light. Free me from shame that so easily is on my heels. I want to open up my heart to you. I don't always know how. Jesus, lead me to open up my heart and let your light shine in. I want to have a relationship with you. I don't want to feel alone. I want to love you and be loved by you. I want you in my life now. I want you in my future. I want you in my life forever. After my life on this earth, I want to be with you forever. I don't understand all of this. This sounds mysterious to me, but I want to believe in it because I don't want to be alone. And I want my past to be over. I want to be set free today and tomorrow. So I come to you, Jesus, and I open up my heart and I ask for you to shine your light in. And I ask that it would make a difference today and tomorrow and this next year. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Every Sunday leading up to Christmas, we've been following the Advent tradition of lighting these candles. And each of these candles represents different things that the glory of God, the presence of God means for us. And so we've talked about hope and peace and love and joy represented by these four candles. And on Christmas Eve, we always light the center white candle. It's called the Christ candle. And it represents that this, these candles together are the glory of God. It represents that this is not just a little candle light. It's supposed to represent this big glory of God that can shine into the darkest parts of our lives, the darkest parts of our world. And that that glory, that light changes our reality. And one other thing we know that this represents, this, this light, this glory represents 
our future hope. Our future hope that the glory of God and the presence of God will be complete, will be full. There will be no more darkness. Let me just read. I love this part of Revelation 21. It describes this new heaven, this new earth, this mysterious concept of our future hope. And it says that God's presence will be so complete that this new city will not need a sun or a moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it all the light that it needs. And the Lamb, Jesus, is the lamp. And God's glory, the magnificence, the excellence, the majestic nature of God, the perfect aspect of God, it says in Revelation, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things will have passed away. And then he who's seated on the throne, Jesus says, I am making everything new. And so as I light this Christ candle right here in the center, it represents as a reminder to you that God has chosen to become present to you and that someday God will be completely present to the world. And you've got this little candle that we gave you and it's battery operated, safety first. And I just want you to hold on to it. Every Christmas Eve, there's this representation of lighting something like the Christ candle, but, but you have a, a candle to, to represent your choice to respond, just like the shepherds got to choose to respond. And so as we sing Silent Night, we have this choice to pray this prayer. I'm going to put it up on the screen. Jesus, thank you for choosing to become present to me this Christmas. I want to choose to be present to you. And I know it's just a little switch, but let it be something that is a way of you saying, I choose to be present to Jesus this Christmas. Stand up and join in as we sing.